What's up, everybody? Welcome to Christeries. My name is Christery DiStefano, and this is Christeries. I keep saying Christeries. Today, we're going to be talking about the history of Benedict Arnold. A lot of you guys know that he was a traitor. That's what he went down in history as. But do you know how he became the traitor that he's remembered to be? And I'm going to tell you, it's got a lot to do with being a white man from Connecticut. Let me set the scene. It's the late 1700s. There's 13 colonies in America, which I wish that we would go back to. Um, I think we'd, it'd be much easier if we, you know, like uh, half the states that we have, are, they're always on fire or there's always shootings there. It's like the 13 colonies, things are pretty steady here. Things are good. It's the, it's the other places that have a problem. But anyway, let's get back to the 1700s. So British settlers came to the New World for religious freedom. Okay, you know, you couldn't really be what you wanted to be in England. This, they, you, they were very puritanical there. They were very, you know, everything was about being a Protestant, King Henry's religion. But here you could be free, baby. You could come as soon as you got off that Mayflower. As soon as British people got off, they had their dicks and balls out. They, had their, they were coming out full bush. You were free. Do whatever you want. Set up trade. Make some money, send it back to Britain. That's they were immigrants. We were immigrants. Colonists were, were immigrants, and the people who were living in this new world, we were they were considered to be British. Okay, like how people who are living in Puerto Rico are American, but they're living in Puerto Rico. You know what I mean? And when I say Puerto Rico, I don't mean my living room. I mean the island of Puerto Rico. But soon, the King of England, King George the Third, the Mad King, he raised taxes on British Americans because he had to because Britain was getting into war after war after war, a lot of them mindless, a lot of them stupid, and they just couldn't, they were a warmongering nation that could not stop waging war against everybody else in the world, and then who paid for it? The taxpayers, okay? Who pays for the wars? Chris, me. I have to pay for them with my tax money. So that's what happened, okay? It's the same thing that's happening today in America. Taxes are going up because we're fighting all these damn wars. Back then, it was the American colonists who had to pay the tax for all of England's wars, and it was taxation without representation, okay? That was a thing that American colonists at the time stole from the Irish because the Irish were also, you know, under British rule for a long time, and this is what Britain likes to do. They like to just tax motherfuckers, but they don't let them be represented in Parliament. So this is what the war initially was about. And um, we're talking, you have the, the, you know, the colonists, the patriots, and then you also have the fighting against the Redcoats, the British army that was coming in to try to fight us because we were rising up and revolting and kid killing British soldiers that were occupying the 13 colonies. So we started getting into a war. And then you also had, I think, what may, some people may not know because this was a tough decision for a lot of people, is at the time is the colonists who living in America, all, they had a lot of family in England. They had a lot of ties to England. England really wasn't that bad for a lot of people. So you have you had a group called loyalists, which they were living in the colonies, but they were loyal to the British Empire. So you have a real, you have kind of like a civil war and a regular war happening at the same time. And it's all called the Revolutionary War. And it did happen, unlike the moon landing, which didn't happen. 
Here's the thing with Benedict Arnold, what you'll understand, is he does have a huge ego, but you're going to see that maybe you would have been a traitor too after you some of the things that Benedict went through, okay? Here's the thing. Benedict Arnold, he was born on January 14, 1741 in Norwich, Connecticut, so that means he's white, okay? He grew up uh, with a comfortable life. He grew up like m many people did grow up then, uh, with an alcoholic father that gambled away his mother's money. Sound familiar? So as a young man, Benedict Arnold, um, he apprenticed at a uh, apothecary business. Now, a lot of people are saying, what the hell is an apothecary? It's like a farm. It's like a drugstore. That's what it is. It's the, he owned a drugstore. Okay, was he selling fentanyl? I don't know. I don't know what would happen back then if you snorted molasses. I have no idea. But he served in the militia. Benedict Arnold fought in the militia during the French and Indian War. Remember how I told you that the British were always at war? Well, the French and Indian War was one of these wars, and who were the soldiers who fought in it? The American colonists. George Washington was also fought in the French and Indian War. So this is eventually, he's fighting in wars, like a lot of the American colonists are fighting in wars for England 20 years before the Revolutionary War that they're going to wind up fighting the British because their taxes are coming up for a war that they didn't even want to fight in, but they had to because they were subjugated under British rule. So it's just a whole shit show. By the age of 26, Benedict Arnold was married and he was a prosperous trader. So by 26, he was already married and he already had his business off the ground. Are you listening, Vito? In April 1775, Benedict Arnold joined the Continental Army. The Continental Army is the American Army at the time. They called it the Continental Army. Um, I don't know if it has any direct tie to the Continental Breakfast or to Continental Airlines, but I do know it was called the Continental Army. So if you ever get a chance to go to upstate New York, because New York is a beautiful, it's a beautiful state, okay? It really is a beautiful state down in the, in the city. It's mostly beautiful. There's a couple of crackheads, but what can you do? But the British, they set up camp in this place in upstate New York called Fort Ticonderoga, and it is gorgeous, okay? It's so beautiful up there. It's amazing. Just check your kids for ticks. That's all you have to do. They will hide in, on kids' butt cracks, just FYI. On May 10th, 1775... Benedict Arnold partnered with Ethan Allen, the Vermont frontiersman Ethan Allen, who's famous for his furniture stores. He was before his furniture stores. Ethan Allen was famous for being part of the Green Mountain Boys, and they were this kind of uh, militia, Vermont militia fighting group that was part of the Continental Army. That really they wreaked havoc on the British Army up in in the Northeast, and um, they actually took control of the British occupied fort, Fort Ticonderoga. Benedict Arnold and Ethan Allen. They team up together and they take back this fort. And he was kind of, Benedict Arnold was known before this tr traitory, before this treachery, Benedict Arnold was known as a hero. He literally was a hero. Benedict Arnold for most of his life was a hero and, until he was treacherous. And then that's all he'll ever get remembered by. Shout out Bill Cosby. Benedict Arnold's life takes a different trajectory in 1776 when he is injured at a battle in Canada on Valcour Island. He gets, he gets hurt. Um, he's, he messes up his foot, and his foot is just screwed for the rest of his life. He's just got a, he's got a bum foot. His foot just sucks for literally the rest of his life. His foot sucks because it's 1776, and they're like, we don't know what to do with your foot. We don't have physical therapy. hasn't been invented yet, and we don't. There's nobody to help you. I, so we can put a bunch of leeches on it or cut it off. It's your choice. October 11, 1776, he, led, uh, he leads a small fleet on Lake Champlain, 
um, and he delayed the British advance of Valcor Island. And he rescues the Patriots from potential disaster. So, you know, that coupled with them taking back Fort Ticonderoga, I mean, Benedict Arnold is legit the man, okay? 1775, 76, 77, he is like the absolute man. Everybody loves him. He's one of like... He, this guy is like in line to be like right under George Washington in command. Like that, George Washington knew who he was. Like it was, this is one of George Washington's boys. You got to understand how high up in the military Benedict Arnold got. This is like one of the top dogs. So he is a true patriot, okay? You know, people just don't decide to flip a switch, okay? There's more to a story. There's always more to a story. Not every, most people aren't just born monsters. There's something led them there. Despite all Benedict Arnold's military successes, despite how, you know, he was famous in these streets, he was getting all these, um, you know, accolades, he didn't feel like he was getting the recognition he deserved, okay? Because why? As Ryan Holiday says, ego is the enemy. Many of Benedict Arnold's fellow officers, um, they, they said that Benedict Arnold was very conceited, he was vain, he was emotional, he was greedy, all probably very true. All probably extremely true, because what was Benedict Arnold doing? He was going after the third thing. Remember we spoke about the third thing on other Christy Chaos podcasts? The first thing is doing the good deed. The second thing is that deed helping someone. So Benedict Arnold joined the military. Then his actions and, and bravery helped win battles. And then what did he want? The ego got involved. The third thing, he wanted to be remembered and known for everything. And this is where you get in trouble, baby. This is where you start to become a treacherous, dirty little traitor. That's eventually just going to, all that you're going to be remembered by is your stupid boot. You're going to have a stupid boot monument in upstate New York. One officer described Arnold as, money is this man's God, and to get enough of it, he would sacrifice his country. Nope, you cannot make money your God. I've told you that time and time again. Money cannot be the God, okay? Only Christus Stefano can be your God. Benedict Arnold actually resigns from the Continental Army in 1777 after Congress promoted five junior officers above him. One of those officers was Ethan Allen, who he was in who he battled with to win Fort Ticonderoga. So you're like, how come he's getting all everyone, everyone, all you're doing is talking about him. What about me? So he actually resigns from the Continental Army in the middle of the war. Okay, that's like one of your top leaders just walking away. That would be like, imagine what America's going through right now and Joe Biden walked away. How would we survive? What happens is, is General George Washington, the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army, with his wooden teeth, he urged Benedict Arnold to reconsider because we needed Benedict Arnold. So General George Washington asked Benedict Arnold to reconsider um, leaving, and Benedict Arnold says, no, I'm leaving. I'm leaving because you didn't give me what I want. You didn't give me the money that I want. You didn't give me the accolades that I want. So fuck you, George Washington. But he leaves. And then, though, because here's the thing. You can walk out and do that, but it's like, bitch, you know you coming back. You know you coming back. So in the fall of 1777, Benedict Arnold comes right back and rejoins the good guys, our side, the Continental Army, just in time to participate in one of the great defenses of the state of New York. That's right. We had to defend New York because I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. We lost New York City in about three hours. Okay, even though New York City is my home city and I love it, the Battle of Brooklyn, I mean, the British beat the shit out of us just immediately. We gave that shit up. We ran away. I was like, no thanks. See you later. So, but, but, but there's more to New York's there's more to New York State than just New York City. You know, we have West Point. We have all the 
Fort Ticonderoga. We have all this upstate wilderness. Back then, don't forget, back then, one of the most important states in the whole 13 colonies was New Jersey. It's called the Garden State because the garden, it was all the plants and all the vegetation was there, all the farms were there. So like whoever held New Jersey, you could feed your army. You know, it wasn't just all malls. It wasn't just all malls and fucking, what is New Jersey now? Just malls. It wasn't all strip malls and houses and the Jersey Shore. It wasn't that. It used to be like they used to, you know, it was, it was the Garden State. I don't have anything to say about New Jersey. I don't have anything bad or good to say about New Jersey. I actually don't mind New Jersey at all. It's, um, it's not a state that I want to live. I think I'm going to move. Okay, Benedict Arnold served under General Horatio Gates. Now, let me tell you something about Horatio Gates. First of all, I think Horatio is a good name. I think more people should be named Horatio. It's a good name. He was an amazing general, Horatio Gates, and he loved Benedict Arnold, okay? And, but what happened was, is, again, because of the ego, everybody respected Horatio Gates, even though he was a fat general. That's the thing about Horatio Gates. He was a fat fuck. He, just, he, had, he has a chubby, fat face. And 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 because maybe he was in New Jersey, the Garden State. I don't know. But General Horatio Gates was respected. OK, but Benedict Arnold, because he has a massive ego, didn't respect him and he defied General Gates. But what happened was is General Gates at some point in the Battle of Saratoga, which is going to go on to become the turning point of the Revolutionary War. I'll tell you why in a second. General Gates is commanding, you know, Benedict Arnold and all these soldiers, and he doesn't want Benedict Arnold to attack some British line. Well, General Benedict Arnold says, no, I'm going to attack that British line. I know if we attack that, we're going to win the battle. And he defies General Gates' authority, and he takes command of a, of a group of American soldiers. They go, they, they assault this British line. They beat back this British line. Ten days later, General uh, um, Burgoyne from the, from the Redcoats, from the uh, British Redcoats, even though there's a French last name, from the British Redcoats, surrenders his entire army at Saratoga. The entire, that's like thousands of soldiers. He surrenders them all, and then news of this surrender convinced France to enter the war on the American side, and that is true, but Bennett, you have to understand one thing, too, is, listen, Benedict Arnold, here's the thing. If you're going to be devious, just do it for good, because you know who also was a devious, just a little scandalous motherfucker? Benjamin Franklin and Benjamin Franklin was in Paris and he because he was literally Benjamin Franklin would go to France to bang women that's he had affairs all day every day in France and when he found out about the battle of Saratoga he got one of his mistresses into the ear of the king of France at the time and he said he made it sound Benjamin Franklin made it sound like we won the battle of Saratoga by a lot more than we did and he basically, that's convinced France like on a whim to just send their army because he was like, listen, Benjamin Franklin was like, we're going to beat England. We are going to beat England. You, France, join the army. You always want to beat England. And that he decided, he convinced them to, uh, to come into the war. But it wasn't really, it wasn't really as decisive of a battle, a decisive of a victory as Benjamin Franklin led the French people to believe. But we did win, and it's all because Benedict Arnold was courageous and brave and did it. So again, he's not a piece of shit, yet he's still a hero in 1777. Listen, I get Benedict Arnold's gripe in this one, okay? He did a courageous, brave thing, but then what happens? Because Horatio Gates was mad at him, 
for disobeying an order, he downplayed Bennett Donald's contributions in his official report, uh, official reports and claimed most of the credit for himself. I told you, Horatio Gates is fat. That's This is what fat people do. And then what happened is, so Bennett Donald is really angry. Of course you're going to get angry because like you just did something great and now it, you're not even being credited for it, even though, you know, that's still the third thing in ego. It'd be nice to be remembered for being courageous in battle. All right, so in this battle of Saratoga that we were talking about, Benedict Arnold hurt his leg again. Remember he hurt in the Battle of Quebec, Valcour Island? Well, he hurts it again now in the Battle of Saratoga, but this time he is temporarily incapable of a field command. So now he's really fucked. I mean, you do not want to have a hurt leg where you are incapable. Dude, you can't be limping around in colonial America. It's like if you're a guy, you have to you have to be able to work on a farm and beat people. That's what you're doing, or else you're not a man. Like, it's it's not modern times where you can just be like a stay-at-home dad. That's not going to happen, okay? You need your legs. So now he's screwed. So now he's like, I got no money. I got no legs. And he then is like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to go into some type of off-the-field stuff. So he accepts the position of military governor in Philadelphia in 1778, okay? And this is where the treachery is going to begin, okay? This is where he's starting to think, because he's got a bum leg, he's starting to say, you know what? You know who doesn't love me? America. But you know who might love me? England. So his loyalties are starting to change, and it all revolves around a woman, okay? It all, this, this is what I'm saying, folks, Okay, the power of vagina, that's the real power, okay? I know a lot of people out there think it's, it's other stuff. It's not, the, the power of the universe is in the vagina, okay? It's all, that's what makes everybody do, you are, honestly, that's why more vaginas should be in command. The vagina is always in command. You have to understand, that's why I literally every year for Christmas ask my family for one, and I haven't been given it yet. Because I want to be in charge, and the only way to be in charge is to have a vagina. So Benedict Arnold marries Peggy Shipman, okay? Young Peggy Shipman, who supposedly was a smoke show, okay? Supposedly she was hot, hot, hot. She was legitimately just gorgeous. Everybody wanted to hook up with her. She was like, you know, just, just a hottie with a body. She's the Beyonce of her time, the Elliot Page of her time. She is the daughter, though. Here's, who Peggy, here's the thing about Peggy Shipman. She's the daughter of a very wealthy man who was a loyalist. He was loyal to the British cause. Even though he's living in the colonies, he's loyal to the British cause, okay? So he was, you know, back then, it was kind of like, you know, it's kind of like how now, how you have like Republicans and Democrats, right? You have the Republicans who are fighting for change and to be free, and then the Democrats who are just traitors, so, no, I'm kidding. Just joking. Okay, read this book to your children. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I actually subscribe to one party and one party only, and that is the Chinese Communist Party. So, Benedict Arnold starts to get thinking from his wife because his wife's family is like, hey, we're loyalists. We can help you. You're like married to our daughter. So, like, why don't you just switch sides? And then they have five kids. They're living it up in Philadelphia, having cheesesteaks. They're, you know, watching games. They're like just having a, having a great time. They're, they're living in Philly. You know, they're saying Tuesday a lot. Um, you know, they don't, that, they're doing that. They're literally, Benedict Arnold and his five children and his second wife, Peggy Shipman, who's hot, are just having a good Philadelphia time, watching games, eating cheesesteaks, saying Tuesday. There's a little bit of kind of drama amongst the people surrounding Benedict Arnold's term as governor there because they're saying there's rumors in Philly that are accusing Benedict Arnold of abusing his power for personal profit. No, 
politicians don't do that. So Benedict Arnold, you know, he's starting to feel mad resentful. He's got, he feels he's owed a debt. He got hurt in the war. Nobody's recognizing him for this on the colonial American side. So he's saying, you know what? You know what would be better if I just started serving the British? Then if I continue to suffer here in the American army, that everybody's so ungrateful, they're all ungrateful bastards, I'm going to be better if I'm just British. I'm going back to British. I'm trading sides. You scandalous motherfucker. Now let's go to 1779. This is where Benedict Arnold becomes what he'll always be remembered for is a traitor, but a very good omelet. Revolutionary War is still alive and well, okay? Now Arnold gets appointed commander of the American Fort of West Point, New York, okay? This is interesting. You know, West Point, where like the, the you know, Army Academy is, this is where the treachery happens. So Benedict Arnold, nobody knows, nobody has any idea that what's going on inside Benedict Arnold's head. Don't forget, Elon Musk's brain chip hasn't been invented yet, so you can't see thoughts. And you, can't, you don't really have people that can read people's minds yet, or you don't have people that can read the minds of men yet because Puerto Ricans haven't arrived in the 13 colonies yet. Once the Puerto Rican women come in, then they can start to read men's minds. But right now, they're not there yet, so nobody knows what Benedict Arnold is thinking except him and his young bitch traitor's wife, Peggy Shipman, who I heard was hot. Arnold gets appointed commander, West Point. And then the end of 1779, Arnold started having secret negotiations with the British, with the British, secret. Because don't forget, there's no cameras, you know, that you can be secret. You could be a secretive little cheating bastard so much easier back then than you can today because there's no cameras. So all you do is meet in a field in the woods somewhere, and then boom, you start tr talking, talking with the British, and all he wanted was money, okay? All he wanted was money and a command in the British Army. He wanted 20,000 pounds. He winds up in his life getting 6,000 from them, so not even close to what he wanted, but he, that's what he wanted, a big ass, 20,000. 20,000 pounds. Back then, that's a lot of Yeezys. So Arnold's chief person he was working with in Britain, in the British Army, was Major John Andre, okay? So Major John Andre, which by the way, Major John Andre was beloved in England. I mean, everybody loved John Andre. He was supposedly one of the good guys. He was loyal to the British cause. Now, that's who Benedict Arnold is dealing with, okay? So John Andre um, says to Benedict Arnold, listen, we're going to, you know, all you got to do is pass these notes. They're passing notes back and forth where the military command's going to be, how to get into West Point, blah, blah, blah. So Andre one day is disguised in civilian clothes and he gets captured in September of 1780 while trying to get between British and American lines. Now, what's going to happen is, is the papers found on John Andre incriminate Benedict Arnold in his treason, okay? And then when Benedict Arnold gets found out, he flees. Benedict Arnold now flees to behind British lines before the Patriots could arrest him. So here's where it's going to get tricky, though, because West Point is in American hands. It remains in American hands. And like I said, Arnold only received a portion of his promised bounty. He was supposed to get 20 grand. He got six. And then the issue is, because Benedict Arnold must think, well, I got behind British lines. I've escaped. Whew, I thought the Americans were going to kill me. But now I'm with people, the British, who love me. But no, because... In October 1780, Major John Andre gets hung by the colonial army. Now, 
What is the sentiment about Benedict Arnold in England? You motherfucker. Not only did you trade on your country, but now you got one of our generals who we love killed. You got him killed. So Benedict Arnold doesn't realize this yet, but he's going to go. He's going to have a tough. He should have just been killed by the George Washington should have just killed him because these next 20, 30 years when he's living in London, it's not good. So with that, Arnold's whole legacy, his whole life changes. He goes from he goes from hero to zero immediately. He becomes one of the most disgusted figures in U.S. history. Um, his treason actually is the very last thing he'll do for the American cause. That's the very last thing he is never in an American uniform again. By 1780, and here, here's the thing. Here's how Benedict Arnold actually helps the American cause. Because by 1780, we're getting tired here of fighting this war. It's going on a few years now. Nobody knows if we're going to win. Even the French are, are there, but it's like, are we going to win? Like, what are we really doing here? Because again, you got to understand the colonial person at that time didn't necessarily hate England. They actually liked England because they protected them from Native Americans attacking them. They protected them from the French attacking them. They protected all these things. So we're like, why are we fighting England again? Well, George Washington and the superiors and the powers that be, we're very good at propaganda, okay? Just like we're very good. That's what the Americans do. So what we did was if the people who didn't want to continue to fight, the soldiers, the, 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 the regular civilians at home didn't want to fight, we use Benedict Arnold's treacherous ways to boost the morale to fight. And a lot of people, we some, I think some, I think we actually got that final boost of morale to win the American Revolutionary War because we were fighting with to stick it to Benedict Arnold, stick it right up his traitor's ass. Stick it right up his treacherous ass. So what happens to Benedict Arnold? Well, he flees, he makes it to the British side, lucky bastard. Actually, um, during the time that Benedict Arnold fought for the British, he actually captured uh, Richmond, Virginia, the capital of Virginia, he captured it for the British. So good, there's your prize. You got Richmond, Virginia, you piece of shit. And then after the Revolutionary War, he went to England. Nice eight-month journey. And then, as I said, the British did not like him, okay? They did not like him. They were kind of ambivalent toward him. They said Judas only... They said... Here's a quote from Benjamin Franklin. Here's a quote from Benjamin. I love Benjamin Franklin quotes because I just envision him writing most of them butt naked. <laughs> and just, you know, like maybe even dipping his penis right in the ink and writing them with his penis. But I just love Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin said, Judas sold only one man. Arnold, three million. Wow. Wow. Here's the thing. If you're going to be a traitor to America, you have to understand, like I've said many, many times, Jesus Christ himself is American. He bled red, white, and blue on that cross, okay? So if you're going to mess with America, you're never going to get away free. You're never going to get away scot-free. So for the rest of his life, Jesus put gout and health conditions right in Benedict Arnold's body. He didn't have it, but then Jesus learned of the treachery, boom, gives him gout, gives him health conditions. And then Benedict Arnold died in London, June 14th, 1801 at age 60, and nobody cared. Nobody cared in London. Nobody cared in America. Following his death, Benedict Arnold's memory lived on in America, where his name became synonymous with being a traitor. And that's never going to change, okay? Here's the thing. That's never going to change. We're never, you know how we will go back in history and find good people, figures who we think are good, like Washington, Franklin, Jefferson, and then go back and try to actually ruin their reputation, say, no, but they did this, they did that. The reverse is never going to happen with Benedict Arnold. Nobody's ever going to try to look for the good in him. They're just going to say, you were a traitor to America, so fuck you, fuck you. Forever.
that's how it is. Even though you did a lot of good for America, in the end, you proved to be a traitor and you proved to be treacherous. So that's why the only thing we remember you by is a we made a statue of your leg. The one thing you hated about yourself, that's what we remembered you by. There's a statue of your dumb, stupid leg that didn't even work. That's the only thing we have. And it doesn't even say your name, dude. You literally walk past it and it's just your stupid leg. So when your ghost comes by and you're like, what do they remember you by? It's going to be your dumb leg with gout that was shot off in the Battle of Saratoga. Okay? That's, that's what you're remembered by. That's like when we remember Bill Cosby, someone's just going to put up a statue of NyQuil. So even though Benedict Arnold, but I will give credit where credit's due. Even though you're a traitor, you're a cheating fuck, and one thing I do not support is people who cheat. America, I want to say thank you on behalf of the American citizens. I, I want to say thank you on behalf the American citizens and the Chinese people living in New York City, we want to say thank you to Benedict Arnold for winning some of those battles, but we want to say fuck you, suck my ass warts for trading, and I never want to see your dead body again. This is Christeries. Remember, yesterday was history.